What's going on, everybody? Hotep family, I say to all my people out there, welcome back to another episode of my unapologetic perspective. Um, this is the podcast where we give our point of view of controversial topics from my experience in Black history and non knowledge as African Americans. Black history presently lives in us, so we can continue to excel into the future. It's one thing to know Black history; it's another thing to take advantage of what the people in Black history did for you. Um, in the words of Malcolm X, there will come a time where Black people will wake up and become intellectually independent enough to think for themselves. And we believe we are at them times. I am your host, Martre Baker Stevens, and to the right of me is Shaquan Battle. I mean, hello. And to the right of him is Jerome Battle. So, um, we appreciate all the love and support we've been getting um, on social media, on YouTube. Um, the numbers continue to go up. The comments continue to go up, and uh, we are we are flattered. Um, but we do encourage everybody to do their own research. Uh, we do encourage everybody to. Um, to read themselves, to watch documentaries themselves, and to put their best foot forward to educate themselves. Um, that's what this podcast is for. Um, but today we have another important topic that we're going to jump back into, um, which is talking about the um, African and Americans within STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, one of the most important things about Black history, Black and the current situation for black people. Um, and again, a lot of times people don't take this seriously. It's number one, it's because they're not educated on what it means. And number two, it's not looked at as the cool thing. It's not looked at in our culture as being the intellectual people aren't the, the people who get the attention, right. right? Because they're not singing, they're not dancing, they're not athletes. Um, a lot of people don't understand how intelligence pushed our our race forward um, because again they might not have been the people you know with the uh, in line with the civil rights movement they not been the one that was giving speeches they might not have wanted to be doing one of the incredible writings you know they were behind the scenes doing innovative work that not only impacted black people but impacted um, the world uh, changed how we do our everyday things changed how we live our everyday lives and they are important um, because intellectually they able to do things that very few people can do. You know, they're, they're able to, to solve problems that very few people can solve because they are intellectual thinkers. Mm -hmm. um, give me y'all reasons on why this topic is important. Well, you just, you just named a couple things to me that says perform nigga. Right. Sing, dance, shut up and dribble right all of those things are performative aspects um as a black community we often don't see tangible things far as inventing things mm -hmm. we see athletes we see the rappers we see you know for me ken griffey jr was the whole reason why i started playing baseball because i seen a black guy playing baseball that right. was actually good mm -hmm. um so that's why that's these this topic is important because like I said, we we in entertainment we get do it for the culture, do it for the culture, but we don't own a damn thing in the culture. Right. So LeBron James, as great as he is, his boss is white. Right. Um, Jay Z, as great as he is, he still has a boss. Mm -hmm. Um, and these inventors don't have bosses. Um, a lot of these inventors had things stolen from them. Mm -hmm. Some uh. Some black people helped improve these things, didn't create them, but helped improve them. So 
in the black community, we have to start looking outside of sports and music. Right. That's facts. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I, I think in podcast one or two, we talked about those early images, um, depictions of who we could be um, and, and who we were in the past. And as a as a youth, you often look at those images to determine what are you capable of? Mm-hmm. And for some, because they had not been a black president before Barack Obama, youth up until that point probably took that off their list of being right. president of the United States. So having those early images of, of, of who you can possibly be was huge. And so in, for, for blacks, it's also the, the opportunity to do more than just athletics or music or what have you. Because we know, just as you mentioned with LeBron James, as great as he is on the basketball court, the minute he says something political, people said, shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. You know, So they didn't want to hear it as if he didn't bring anything else to a discussion if it wasn't about basketball which I think is ludicrous. Um, we have minds. It really wasn't until people saw the movie Hidden Figures that you really found out that black people, black women in particular, were intelligent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's sad because that's a movie that we recently saw. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not something that, that existed in the 60s. And we know intelligent black people existed long before the 60s. Mm-hmm. So I think this podcast is important because we're going to give you some names of some individuals who, even if they didn't invent it, if it was them taking an idea or a patent and improving it, these are people who had minds thinking that way to make the improvement, but also just the idea of being able to get a patent. I mean, I want you to think about the average person that's listening to this podcast. Do you even know what a patent is? Mm-hmm. And if you were going to get one, if you had an idea would you even know how to go about patenting anything? Mm-hmm. So I think that alone tells you that these individuals were highly, highly intelligent and they were forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and because of, you know, racism and history, it a lot of times in America, it, cent- it centers around white America being the intellectuals, right? And black America being the bodies, being the culture, um, being um, some vocal leaders some vocal writers right Mm -hmm. not but not necessarily the intellectual field of you know just think about how many people that you learn about that were intellectuals in school you know probably maybe george washington carver outside of you know frederick Douglass writings and all of those things Mm -hmm. but just george washington carver that was part of the stem program that you probably learned about in school other than that you probably didn't learn about anything you know the hidden figures movie great movie the title was the best thing, right? It's the hidden figures in our community, right? That's it's right. the people that, who are behind the scenes that most people don't think about that contributed. Because when you talk about NASA and the landing on the moon, you're talking you're mostly talking about the people who were on the, the space shuttle. You're not thinking That's about right. the, the women who are doing the mathematical equations mm-hmm. in the background, That's right. right? Same thing with the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King. He wasn't the smartest, he wasn't the smartest person in school. Mm-mm. It was the people behind the scenes providing him the information. Right. He was just a great spokesman. Absolutely. So when you look at that, you know, a lot of black people are still shocked when they hear about black scientists, botanists, composers and inventors, you know, they're they're still shocked about, oh, wow, that like, because you've never learned about that. But if we tell you that we won eight Olympic gold medals, that doesn't shock you. That doesn't shock you. If if we tell you that we created this genre of music, that wouldn't shock you. But telling somebody, hey, you know, a black person invented this. Uh, the modern day way that this is invented, a black person, you know, took this and made it a lot better. Like you wouldn't, a lot of people are still don't 
don't wrap that around their mind. Because when we think about black people in America, we're not just talking about building America. We're not just talking about building the culture. We're not just talking about protesting and marching and politics. Um, we're talking about people who change the narrative because we have to understand going back to slavery, the narrative was that black people were strong black men and women, right. you know, they can do the, the body work, but intellectually that they can't think on this level to be able to do these things. And when you had people come out and create inventions, they said, wait a minute, these people aren't, you know, as inferior as we think they, as right. we believe that they are. And those people who contributed in the math, science, technology, and engineering helped change that narrative. And we're, they're still changing that narrative. Um, I was listening to, um, 19 Keys and Tariq Nasheed have a conversation and they were talking about how, you know, a lot of times when you get these black kid geniuses, the 10 year old, 11 year old, they go to college at an early age um, that score this on the SAT. A lot of times black people don't even bat an eye. But what white right. people do, people like Yale offer them scholarships, yes, right? You put them into their classrooms and we take your intellect and we use it for, for what we need. That's but right. black people don't look at it that way. We gravitate around the kid who can score 30 points, you know? That's and then right. once, once that kid get older and, and everybody forgets about him because life didn't pan out or you didn't make it to the professional right. level, that kid that went to Yale, he's doing something behind the scenes that's impacting the world. But we never, that, that kid never feels the credit is due in his community because he was just an intellectual. He wasn't an athlete. And, and he's going to be behind the scenes. So most of those those child those black child geniuses you hear about, you never really hear their name again. You in never the hear about them again. But you know they're doing big things when you see them, and they 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 driving extravagant cars and living mm -hmm. in big houses, right? Mm -hmm. So they're once again they're behind the scenes. And and I watched the podcast. I'm not going to not going to tell you who the person was because it's a lot of things that are inappropriate <laughs> for people to be watching. But that's one of the things they talk about is exploitation of black talent is just not relegated to sports music. Mm -hmm. It's also relegated to science. Right. That yeah, it's great. You're going to pay these individuals a lot of money, but you'll never read about them in a history book, mm -hmm. right? So it comes to that point. Sometimes, what's more important, the money? Or the fame. Right. We usually choose the money, unless it's weed involved, because we've seen professional athletes give up millions of dollars to be able to smoke weed, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen that, Ricky Williams. We, we've seen that, you know? So for, for us, it's about trying to figure out what's most important to us and then making that your platform. And I, I think we control that narrative in a lot of situations. So it, let's just say I was a child genius at 12. I don't have to go to Yale because that's considered the prestige school. Right. I can choose another another route to go. Right. And I think that's where we have to be more influential in the black community is saying just because it's white doesn't mean that it's right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think that's where we we sometimes fall short because we chase that dollar just like anybody else. Right. So when we talk about commercials and we talk about people that are being, you know, popular, they're being popular because of music or they're being popular because of athletics. They're chasing that money. Right. And we can't knock them for doing that because the average person is going to do that. Right. Right. You know, a lot of times us as adults, like you said, in the black community, we're the problem. Right. You know, you see a, a 10 year old kid and. He's, you know, a certain size. And you ask him, what sport do you play? You know, what position do you play? And the kid might say, I don't, you know, I don't play sports. I like math. Okay. And the adult just going to say, oh, yeah, that's good. He's yeah. not going to have a conversation with that no. kid about math because he doesn't understand. Doesn't know anything about he, math. He, he know algebra. He know geometry. But he don't understand how that affects 
the world. You That's know what right. I'm saying? He don't understand how that affects business, how that affects government, technological advancements, medicine, engineering, manufacturing. He don't understand that the world revolves around supreme mathematics, right? That's right. R around math equations and those people are solving problems on the everyday scale and doing things that are that is pushing the envelope forward. And the only thing you heard is math that you probably don't even understand, right. right? And it's hard to have a conversation because you can't have a conversation with that kid about sports. Now you push that kid to the side just because you don't understand that he likes science, that That's he right. likes chemistry, that he likes physics. You know what I'm saying? And, and we've seen that in reality, just at your local high schools. We've seen where schools, coaches, teachers will go out their way to help a student be able to play a particular sport, mm -hmm. giving them all the assistance they need to get that grade that they need to be eligible to play that sport. And then when that sport's over, forget all about that kid. Mm -hmm. That kid, they 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 have no more interest in them whatsoever. It's a done deal. And a, a lot of times in the black community, it's it's uh, a lot of it has to do with the finances. If a kid is interested in playing a sport, you can go buy the buy the ball, whatever he needs. Uh, we was mentoring a kid that likes to build computers. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what the next step of getting to him that's was. Right. We can't go buy a computer and have you. That's right take it apart and put it together because that's that's our money that we spent on the computer. And, and that's a great component because if you think about the sport that black kids are usually the best at, it's probably going to be basketball. And right. people say, why? It's the least expensive. Yeah. If you find, you don't even have to buy basketball. You can find one. Mm -hmm. You can borrow one. And if you can't get to a basketball court, you build one, mm -hmm. right? And they can play by themselves. They can play unassisted, right? Mm -hmm. Every other sport is either expensive or you need multiple people, right? Right. And so that's why we excel at basketball because it's essentially a free sport. Mm -hmm. I mean, you take Bates' daughter uh, as an example. We can talk about, we got kids to play sports. So we can talk to those kids all day about sports. But my niece does this little thing where she'll go about 10 minutes of asking you random questions about which one do you prefer, this, this. And eventually it kind of get on your nerves. But what she's, <laughs> but what she's doing is she, she wants to know, she wants information. But why do we shun her for doing that? And, but we could talk to other kids for hours about basketball and football right. and music That's and right. dance. You normally have a conversation because it's really not a discussion. You normally have a conversation when it's something you have input in, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if it's something I know nothing about, that's not a conversation. Right. That's you talking to yeah. me, right? <laughs> so a conversation is a two-way street where I can offer some input based on what we're talking about. Just like Bake said, you got a kid 6'5", and he in the 10th grade, he don't play basketball? Right. Yeah. You know, he's he's into math. Okay, yeah. what am I going to have a conversation with him about? Mm -hmm. I don't know nothing about math. And that's how we think. Mm -hmm. You know, but unfortunately, that's I think that is, that's a deterrent. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is, now that child not really into mathematics anymore. Right. He's a closet mathematician. Mm -hmm. Because he wants attention too. He wants attention. Yeah. Right. So he's he's not going to get it for that. So now he has to put that in the closet and go do something or talk about something else that people want to talk about. Right. Because right? otherwise he's an outcast. Right. And he's going to get bullied for. Mm -hmm. right. So the best way to avoid that is don't tell anybody I'm in the math. Right. right. And then he's going to go out and try to play basketball. Right. Right. And then we're going to ask, why is he out here? Why is he so out now here? you didn't kill this confidence in two different areas. Absolutely. Right. So when we look at, you know, innovation, um, there are records, the records of what black people created, you know, we may not know it's an entirety because a lot of black people um, before the Civil War were not able to put in patents because they were owned and enslaved. So a lot of the slave owners took 
um, took credit for a lot of patents that black people created. You know, a lot of black inventors had had suffered from identity theft. I mean, uh, idea theft because there were so many inventions by black people that had somebody else's name on it. Um, and a lot, and and one of the key things is that you know a lot of white people thought that just because black people were illiterate that they were not that they were ignorant. They thought just because they were literate that they were ignorant, but that's ignorant to think just because a person is brought here and don't speak your language. They don't know your culture. You consider that to be illiterate, but they weren't ignorant because before they came here, they were scientists, mathematicians, engineers, and, and all of those things. And when they came here, they had to have a big adjustment. And even in slavery, most people just think when they think of slavery, that they were out there picking cotton or picking tobacco or, um, doing sugarcane plantations like no these people were blacksmith they were carpenters they were cabinet makers they were uh basket weeders like they were doing all the types of jobs that you can think about and they had to have ideas on how can i make this easier and that's what they did you know is believed that you know eli whitney who invented the cotton gin but there are stories that talk about how black sam his slave and his dad Help with the idea of inventing the kind of gym. Why would Eli Whitney want to make it easier? He ain't the motherfucker out there. Yeah, the absolutely. You know, he, he ain't the one that's got to put his hand in the cotton and that and that ball, you know, basically mess up his hands and have his uh, fingers bleeding. It's right. just knowing black people. I know it was somebody out there like, yo, dog, how can we make this? <laughs> you got to. <laughs> you know it is. You know. You know, you know um, we talk about, you know, um, we do want to tell you this, though, before we get into names, we do want to preface it with when you do your research, you're going to have to go one step beyond just looking at the first thing that comes up for Google and yeah. Google. You will see that there are a lot of websites that are pro black inventors that are going to tell you when you look up peanut or peanut butter that George Washington Carver invented peanuts or he invented peanut butter. Mm-hmm. All right. Not true. All right. Just go a step further and do a a little more research so that you're being accurate. Mm -hmm. We can't we can't stress this enough that you're always going to have people who are going to overemphasize the contributions of black people. And I know we're thinking that's impossible because we know this country was built on the backs of blacks. We know that. But at the same time, all we have to do is tell the truth. We, We don't have to add to it. All we have to do is tell the truth. But in order to do that, you have to find it first. And it's going to require you to do a little more research when you start looking at black inventors. So we want to be clear on that. There's a, we, we, we invented a lot of things, uh-huh. but there are some things attached to us that we did not invent. We may have made improvements to it. And then there's some things that white the, the uh, a white American is taking credit for, but a black American actually invented it. Uh-huh. So just do your due diligence when you're doing this and don't just say, hey, black man created shoes. <laughs> just be realistic with yourself and say, if a black man created shoes in 1883, what the hell were we wearing before that? Just do your due diligence. That's all we're asking you to do. Uh, <laughs> facts. Uh, there was also a slave named Joe Anderson who worked with his uh, slave owner, Cyrus McCormick, on developing what they called the famous Reaper. Um, but some free black men came up with technology advances. But even even just because you put in a patent don't mean that patent was going to be accepted. That's right. So when a lot of these black men put in their patents, the patent office was looking like, 
how the hell did you do this? That's right. Like how how why should we accept this when show we don't even work. Like, when we don't even think that you're capable? <laughs> show me your work. Right. So a lot of times they put their patents in white lawyers' names because again, you even had to have some money to be able to put in the patent for the patent office. That's right. Um so a lot of times the white lawyers, if you go back and look, a lot of white people have their their name attached to an invention when it was actually an enslaved person like Benjamin Montgomery, you know, who did the propeller for steamboats. Um, his brother, I mean, um, his owner was the brother of Jefferson Davis that was the president of the Confederacy. Right. And they tried to take credit for his invention. So you're going to see a lot of those type of things. But when we look at, you know, what we were, what we created, that we talk about the high intelligence. But a lot of these people, they didn't, they didn't have formal education, right. you know, right. especially early on before the Civil War and after the Civil War. You're going to hear the word self-taught. A lot when it comes to these people, which means is they had some books and they they had some ideas and they taught themselves how That's to right. how to perfect it without the the the, ele the elementary schools and the schools that other people had had without going to to these famous universities. You know, they were able to self teach themselves to create better things because they were again they might have been illiterate, but they weren't ignorant. That's right. right? Uh, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Um, let's let's jump into some of these uh, some of these names. Um, Quan, I'll, I'll let you go first. Lonnie G. Johnson, the man that gave us the water gun. You know they called him Lonnie G. <laughs> Lonnie, <laughs> Lonnie G. G. What's crazy is Lonnie wasn't a toy maker. He was aerospace engineer for NASA. Yeah. Um, Lonnie Johnson generated more than one billion in sales with his Super Soaker. Um, invention. Um, he also built robots, <laughs> right. and he cooked up batches of rocket fuel in his kitchen when he was a boy. And how he came up with the with the super soaker was he experimented with a heat pump that used water instead of freon, um, which comes from his uh, degree. Uh, Johnson hooked up the invention to a bathroom sink, saw a powerful stream of water squirt across the room. He called his invention the power drencher, but later changed it to super soaker. Johnson holds approximately 80 patents, including rechargeable batteries, a dart gun, a spacecraft cooling system, and a hair curler. Yeah, he was a nerd. Oh, and right. again, but again, like he went to, he went to, um, he grew up in, in the public school system where they could not go to school with white kids, but he won a science fair against those white kids that he couldn't go to school with. And again, like a lot of times, you know, you see where black kids win a Super Bowl. You see when they win a championship. Right. You see where they won a uh, talent show. And you see those people. How many often do you see pictures of black kids that won a science fair? Mm -hmm. That's right. Or spelling bee or uh, math bee. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm going to start with... um. I'm going to start with shoes since I already mentioned that. Because <laughs> that, that's one of the myths that I heard when I was a kid. I would always hear, you, you hear you hear three. You hear the George Washington Carver, you hear the shoes, and you hear um, the, the traffic light, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the three that you, you I heard when I was a kid. But, of course, um, we know that Jan Metzlinger did not invent the shoes yeah. in 1883. What he invented was a machine. He patented a machine that could make affordable shoes because you can make them faster and they lasted longer. And that's what he invented in 1883. So for those that are saying, uh, are going around saying a black man invented shoes, stop, please, stop, stop that. 
um, folding cabinet bed in 1884, Sarah Good became the first black woman to receive a U.S. patent. She moved to Chicago and opened a furniture store. And she came up with a concept for a, a folding cabinet bed mm -hmm. because her store had limited space. And then she also realized how many people have homes that have limited space that you can have this bed that could easily fold up into a cabinet and provide more room during the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the irony of that is my dad had two of those that um, I'm still trying to figure out how to get one of them from his house to my house. Cause I like <laughs> to have it, you know, because it does save a lot of room. And then the third that I want to talk about, I want to mention right now is potato chips. Um, George Speck uh, did not invent potato chips. No, he did. Actually, he invented <laughs> potato chips. So what happened was he he worked at a, at a restaurant in 1853 and a customer asked for French fries and they made the French fries and the customer said, I don't like these. These are no good. These aren't, these, you didn't cook these right. So being upset, uh, Speck, who changed his last name to Crumb later on, took the fries back and he recooked them, burnt them to a crisp, put salt on them and took them back. So here's your damn fries. Mm -hmm. And they loved them and uh, became a, a dish that people would come and ask for. And eventually he started his own restaurant um, and they were called Saratoga Chips. And he started his own restaurant and people would come from miles around to be able to buy those chips. And then in 1895, Laura Scudder um, came up with a way to be able to bag the chips and be able to sell them. And what's, what, what people don't know, those bags are really, they're wax paper. And that allows the chips and preserves them and that let, make them stick together and all that good stuff. And came up with a way to bag them and sold them in a grocery store for the first time in 1926. Mm. So he did invent the potato chip. Now... Uh, to my black kids, we need somebody to invent how to get the air out of the chips so we can get more chips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna start with uh, one of the one of the greats, which is uh, Benjamin Banneker, who was one of the world's greatest mathematicians um, and became a self-taught astronomer. Um, and a, it, you can go back to the history that he comes from the doggone tribe, his family. Roots come from the Dogon tribe and the Dogon tribe in Africa are one of the key tribes when they're talking about astrology, right? So again, we pass down things genetically. We talk about this on this podcast. Um, but he's one of the most important African-American intellectuals. You know, he had a brief education with the Quakers. and But most of his education came from borrowed books from the Quakers. And by the age of 21, he... Um, he built the first clock in America. Not That's the right. first clock, but the first clock built in America. In America. Um, right. He built it mostly out of wood. And it basically lasted for 40 years, still telling the right time until it actually burned up in the flyer. He, in the, he in the used the pocket watch of, of, of someone else. A neighbor. Yeah, yeah a neighbor, neighbor had a pocket watch. And he said, hey, can I borrow that yeah. for a few days? So he could, he could break it. He took it apart to see how it worked. And then he invented a clock using the same concepts as the, how that pocket watch worked. Mm -hmm. And then again, with this self-taught astrology, he began to predict solar eclipses, lunar eclipses, uh, climate change. The weather. Yeah. He, he, and the, he, the weather. he produced 
uh, almanacs, like years of, of agricultural almanacs and astrology almanacs um, to the point where this is, and this is one of the key things is he sent the almanac to Thomas Jefferson with a letter that basically said, hey, the narrative that y'all are pushing that we're not smart enough is incorrect. And Thomas Jefferson, after reading and, and looking at the almanac and seeing how accurate he was in some of his predictions, talked to George Washington. And George Washington made, made sure he was hired on the, the planning committee of designing Washington, D.C. That's right. And he was on that committee. And again, there's two stories to this to this, to this this thing, but I'm, I'm going to give you both of them again. I'm going to give you, and you draw your own conclusion about what happened. A lot of people believe he was just one of the people who helped design and he was on the planning committee. There's also another story that says the person who was the head person of design that created the blueprints and designs for it basically walked off. Lafont. His name was Lafont. Yeah, he was a Frenchman, right? Right, a Frenchman, Mm -hmm. right? And when he walked off, they came to Benjamin Banneker and said, can you finish the job? He told him, yeah. He he remembered what the blueprints was and, and done it in two days, two or three days finished the building of a Washington DC. And some people also believe being that he knew the blueprints by mind that he designed the blueprints. Again, we talked about this um, off air before that if I'm doing the blueprints, that's coming from my mind. You know what I'm saying? It's hard for me to, to invent something without the blueprints. It's hard for me to come up with a concept without the blueprints. The blueprints is one of the first thing that comes from the mind. So if I'm doing somebody else's blueprints, did you invent it? Did you design it? Or did I invent it or did I design it, right? So when we look at what Benjamin Banneker was able to do um, from an intellectual standpoint, he changed the the narrative for, for, for Black America, somebody that was intelligent enough to create, design, predict, and do all of this again without a formal education. That's right. And, and for, for people that really want to know what that entails, if you Google Washington, D.C., you can look at how the streets run. Right. And how everything has purpose. And mathematics. The way, and mathematics. <laughs> mathematics. The, everything in the way that it's designed is mathematical. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a point behind everything that's done with building of that city. Um, something that LaFont would not have been able to do to do. He mm-hmm. didn't know the area. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Banneker did. Right. Um, so I that in fact Benjamin Banneker is one of the few black people that uh, we learned about, we, we actually learned about them in, in school. You actually yeah, told me about them a few in years Northern, ago when in, I did more the, research. In the northern part of the United States, they taught, they taught this in school as part of the curriculum, mm-hmm. but not here. Right. Um, so we, I knew about Benjamin Banneker before people down here even knew who it was. Mm-hmm. Who was Benjamin Banneker? Mm-hmm. Which was a surprise to me because I thought curriculums were, were, same, were, were never, the same all around America. And people down here had never heard of them. So... Um, Benjamin Banneker was was instrumental in the development of Washington, D.C. And if you Google it and you take a look, you'll see why. Mm-hmm. Look at his background. Look at what he was able to do with the clock. And you will see resemblance in the design of Washington, D.C. Uh, George Washington Carver and the peanut is all we learned. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about, since I mentioned the uh, traffic light, uh, Garrett Morgan was the first black person in Cleveland, Ohio town to own a, to own a car. Mm-hmm. And, um, what he did was he, he, they, the guy's name was William. I'm not even trying to pronounce his last name, but he was from San Francisco. He actually patented the first automatic traffic light, mm-hmm. but it only had two lights, red, red green. green. Mm-hmm. Um, but after 
Garrett Morgan witnessed several severe car accidents um, at intersections in the city of Cleveland. Um, he expanded the, the tra traffic light to add the yield component, which is the yellow light. Um, and that's something that he actually did. Right. So he didn't invent the street light, but he invented the three light system that we currently use today. Can you imagine driving in this grid and all of a sudden it's red? <laughs> <just slam. laughs> and, and obviously that's what was happening. And you, we think like yeah. that, we go, well, here's the thing. And, and this is, this is my story. So my story is usually my mess ended up being my message. Right. In the United States, when you think about the development of laws, it's because of there was a mess yeah. and you came up with a law to, to kind of straighten it out. And then that's what happened. Yeah. The street light was uh, something to fix a mess, <laughs> but it wasn't quite good enough. It was good enough at the time, at least in thought, but that's exactly what happened. You had to light through it. The it light is green, <laughs> it turned red, bam, you know? So there was no pause. So you had to create that pause, and Garrett Morgan did that. Mm -hmm. Garrett Morgan also developed uh, what he called the safety hood. Um, and he noticed how firefighters were being killed by smoke on the job. So he invented a, a hood. Um, which was gas mask, gas basically mask, yeah. is what it ended up being to prevent firefighters from inhaling smoke when, when, when fighting fires. So Garrett Morgan was very instrumental in two things that still exist today. Absolutely. I'm going to go uh, Mary Keener. Um, I'm going to spell her last name because I might not be pronouncing it right. It's K-E-N-N-E-R. Um, and she did a lot. Uh, she began inventing at the age of six. Uh, when she attempted to invent a self-oiling door hinge. <laughs> um, her maternal grandfather, Robert, um, was also an inventor. He invented um, a stretcher with wheels for ambulances. In 1914, her father patented a clothes presser that could fit in suitcases. Um, they came up with a, uh, they invented a board game called Family Tree Edition. Um, uh, she also, <laughs> her ideas were crazy. This, this is some of her ideas, including a convertible roof that would go over the folding rumble seat of a car, a sponge tip at the end of an <coughs> umbrella that would soak up rainwater, a portable ashtray that would attach itself to a cigarette pack. Um, her first patent was in 1957 for a sanitary belt, which we know today as pads. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, while she originally invented, invented the sanitary belt in the 1920s, she couldn't afford a patent. We talked about that earlier. Most black people couldn't afford mm -hmm. it. Um, over time, she improved her earlier version and other versions that were patented before hers. I'll read that again. Mm -hmm. Over the time, she improved her earlier version and other versions that was patented before hers. Mm -hmm. um, the Sun Nap Pack Company got word of this invention in 1957 and contacted her for um, for her invention. However, once they discovered she was black, they declined. Of course, they did. Um, beltless pads were invented in the 1970s. As tampons became more popular, women stopped using sanitary belts. Um, she also came up with, uh, she, she did get these patents for a walker or a wheelchair that included a hard surface tray and a soft pocket for carrying items. Um, her sister invented a toilet paper holder. They patented that in 1982. Her final patent, granted on September 29th, 1987, was for a mounted back washer and a massager. Um, 
And still to this day, she hasn't received any awards or formal re- uh, recognition for her work. Oh, she was out here doing it. Yeah. Right. Creative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with uh, Granville T. Woods. <coughs> Granville. Um, yeah. We talked about him before. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was a, a prominent in, inventor and electrical engineer. He was actually the first African-American after the Civil War to be considered an electrical engineer. That's right. So you had um, George Washington Carver being the first bio um, engineer, mm-hmm. you had uh, Granville T. Woods becoming the first electrical engineer after the after the Civil War, um, but he had over sixty patents. Now, when you when you Google this, you're gonna see some say over fifty, some say over sixty. I've seen research that said he's had over hundred and fifty patents. Now, some of them may be he had put in applications and didn't get them. I don't know, so I'm gonna just go with over sixty uh, or at least sixty. So at least 60. we're gonna go with we're gonna go with that. But a lot of people considered him the the Black Edison because, for one, when you look at a lot of these inventors like Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, they always kept Black people on their staff. That's right. You know, uh, whenever you see Black people on the staff, which means they're pitching a lot of ideas or creating a lot of things. It, it, it still happens today in, in corporate America. You see somebody that's good at what they're doing, I'll hire you. You come do it for me and I'll take all the credit for it. Mm-hmm. It, it happens. You know what I mean? But Granville T. Woods was one of the people who was not going to allow that to happen. You know, one of his first inventions was a communication system between trains. So y'all can communicate while you're going. You also can communicate to the train depot so we can avoid um, any type of uh, collisions or things like that. Things that trains and subways and all of that still do do today. Well, Thomas Edison went to court and tried to say he invented it. And uh, the court ruled in Granville T. Woods' uh, def- um, argument that he invented the uh, synchronous multiplex railway telegraph is what it was called. That's right. And after it, Thomas Edison did what he tried to do. He tried to hire Granville T. Woods. Come be the head manager of, of my company. Granville mm-hmm. Woods told him no. Mm-hmm. He wanted control over his own inventions. He wanted to be the person, again, self-taught. You know, he went to work at a, at the age of, of 10 years old. He, he, he had time to go really go get an education. But this is somebody who worked on with the railroad system and saw what the railroad system needed. You know, one year later, he developed a system for overhead electric conducting, which helped power locomotives. Um, he also improved the steam boiler furnace. Was That was his first patent, you know. Um, but Woods, you know, he also helped Alexander Graham Bell, um, with the telephone transmitter. That's right. And Alexander Graham Bell bought it and he sold it to him. Basically like, that's nothing. Go on, that's take, not, that. Go on take that. I'm going to take the money, go invent some other stuff. Go on, go on, go on, go on take that. that. You know what I mean? That's yours. Um, but he also helped create what they called the third rail on the uh, electric power transit uh, system. This so, is a subway still used today. Yeah. So when you look at what he was able to do, you're talking about an intellectual black person who put his name right up there beside two of the greatest inventors, you know, and Alexander Graham Bell and Thomas Edison. But you, you most of the time in your history books, you'll you read about read, them too. You won't read them by Granville. Granville won't be in there. Yeah. Granville won't be there. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk about the blood bank. 1939, Charles Richard Drew um, was a doctor, Columbia University, started studying at Columbia University um, came up with a process that allowed them to um, create a blood bank. He was able to, I'm going to read this, discovered a method of separating red blood cells from plasma, then storing the two components separately. 
This process allowed blood to be stored for more than a week, which was the maximum at that time. He took these findings, documented, and that document led to what we consider now the first blood bank. Mm -hmm. um, I want to warn people, because this is something that I heard too when I was in high school, is that Drew died because a hospital, a white hospital, refused to give him a blood transfusion. They refused to use the idea that he had to save his life. That's not true. So I warn you guys when you start Googling, because you will read this story if you Google uh, Dr. Charles Richard Drew. That's not what happened. He was, in fact, in a car accident. Him and this is I just find this that the irony is just he was in a car accident with three other black physicians from 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 uh, Howard University. So you got four black physicians in a car in North Carolina in 1940s and they have white hospitals and black hospitals mm -hmm. and they had an accident and the hospital nearest to them was a white hospital mm -hmm. only two of the people were injured severely drew and then another guy and they took both of them to the white hospital because drew had already lost a lot of blood they were unable to save his life the black guy they stabilized them at the white hospital and then transported them to the black hospital but Drew did not die because they refused to give him a blood transfusion. He had already lost too much blood and they, they could not save his life. So I want people to get the facts before you start telling the story, please. Mm -hmm. It's important. I, we, we've been lied to enough. Let's not join that game, yeah. right? Let's not join that game and create <laughs> new lies to make us look better. We look good. We look great just right. telling the actual stories. Do your research before you pass these stories along. Uh we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Uh, we're going to jump right back in and finish this up. Corn, uh, you can go. Um, Earl Lucas is the first African-American lead exteriors designer in the history of Ford Motor Company. Um, Lucas is credited with redesigning the 2010 Ford Focus. Now, I want you to Google what the 2009 Ford Focus looked like. I mean, the Ford Taurus looked like. And then the 2010 looks totally different. Um, he went to Booker T. Washington High School, which means he probably was in the hood. Um, he initially was interested in the 3D process of making jewelry with metal um, at the College of Creative Studies in Detroit, Michigan. Two years into the program, he switched. Um, in college, him and his classmates designed a van to transport elderly riders the job led to him designing car seats, panels for doors, and headliners for an um for auto supply. Black Enterprise magazine notes that he is one of the one of twenty five to thirty African American car designers in the world. Dope. Dope. I'm gonna finish off with one of the ones that's I think is the most important to me, which is uh Lewis Latimer. Um Lewis Latimer worked as a uh as an office assist assistance in a patent law firm and where he, again, self-taught himself drafting. And people who don't know what drafting is, that's like developing the blueprints. blueprints. Um, and he quickly began to experiment with ideas and inventions. Um, over the course of his draftsman, this is something key. He helped Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell 
design some of their inventions. But when you read about Lewis Latimer, when you read about Alexander Graham Bell and Thomas Edison, there's a key word that 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 stands out to me. They went looking for him. Yep, they did. They sought out Lewis Latimer, which means he was the best at what he did. When the two greatest inventors that they claim went looking for him. And that just shows you that he wasn't just smart enough for black. He was smart enough for the greatest minds that we talk about in, in the world. And, and again, that does away with some of those stereotypes. And what one of his first patents was improving the toilet system on a, uh, on a railroad cars. And he grew popular and prepared drawings for Alexander Graham Bell, um, for the telephone, you know, um, he eventually worked uh, for a light company that was rival to Thomas Edison on developing and 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 perfecting the the light bulb, because the light bulb that Thomas Edison was using um, it was better than candles, but it was expensive and it was going out within a few days. And Lewis Latimer came up with the light bulb with the um, with the the part of it being able to light up for more than two days and it being the uh the least expensive and it was a game changer so you're talking about somebody who because when you look at the light bulb the light bulb is that 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 filament that's right and glass Mm -hmm. so alexander graham bell i mean uh thomas edison how much credit do you want to give lewis latimer that you know perfected that filament um within the light bulb because that was one of the the main components of 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 doing a light bulb he also helped Thomas um, help Alexander Graham Bell with the design of the telephone. Um, and when you look at, again, somebody that drew the blueprints for Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell, when you look at it, who developed it? Like who, who, how much influence did Lewis Latimer really have in those things? I'm not saying he had it, but I'm saying to the, to the, to the thinking mind, you have to look at it and say, how much influence did Lewis Latimer have with those inventions if he's the one doing the blueprints for Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell? Because when they came to light up New York and, and Philadelphia and Montreal, they called Lewis Latimer. You know, you hit this. You, you're at the forefront. You tell us what we need to do to be able to light up these places. Um, when it came to installing uh, lighting for railroad stations and government buildings and New England and London, he called Lewis Latimer. So throughout his life, this intelligent person who had no formal education that that self-taught himself drafting, he's the person that everybody's calling to do all of these these uh, these things of lighting and, and all of these things. So one of the most important people because again, he changed the narrative of black people not being smart enough. And there 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 are references that black people were saying that. Lewis Latimer invented the light bulb because they, they felt that he had the, the most influence and should take some of the credit for the development of what we see the light bulb today. Yeah. You know, Lewis Latimer was one of the people that I learned about from the encyclopedias that we had when I was a kid because of the drafting aspect. It was something that he did that I found amazing as a kid, you know, being an artist, like, you know, the love of drawing, was that they could give him a dimension, say, hey, I, I, I'm gonna have a 1400 square foot building and I want seven rooms and I want the proportions of the rooms to be this. And he could take that blueprint 
he could take that that fourteen hundred square foot blueprint and design the rooms to be the the proportional size that the person wanted, and he could do it quickly, which means he had to have mathematical skills mm-hmm. that's beyond this world to be able to do that. So at twelve, I tried to do it. You know, my dad gave me said, "I want the room to be, I want each room to be this size, and I want the bathroom to be here, and this is where I want the door to be." And he would give me a few hours to be able to do it. You know, I want you to draw this, and 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 I would, and it was fun, but I didn't have the pedigree that that Lewis Latimer had to be able to do that that thought process quickly. I cheated. I went to my mom and my mom gave me some of the, the answers to be able to do it. But I want to talk to, um, I want to talk about Martin Cooper for a second, because this is a name that everybody who has one of these should know this name, Martin Cooper, because truth be told, and I won't go on record. And I don't care how you Google it. Um, developed the first handheld phone in 1973. And you're going to read things when you Google that say he wasn't. You're going to read things that say Henry Sampson created the gamma electric phone in 1972. Um, But we created, we created, we created the cell phone. We created the cell phone um, just by being able to um, take a new, create something that could preserve energy. Right. Um, so that's that's a fact. That is a fact. So uh, it's a it's a few ones. I'm gonna just go through very quickly. I'm not gonna go into depth, but James Jim West deserves to be uh, mentioned, who helped uh, again Alexander Graham Bell with the invention uh, for the telephone. Uh, the microphone part was one of the the hardest parts to to get, and um, James Jim West helped develop the uh, what is it the um, the microphone part for cell phones and hearing aids today. Still used this um, this design by James West, but it helped and uh, uh, push forward the the telephone. Um, William Ward Cardozo, you know, he helped pioneer research on sickle cell anemia and its appearance predominantly in people of African descent. One in 13 black or African-American babies and uh, is born with the sickle cell trait. Um, Christine Darton was a mathematician and aerospace engineer at NASA. Once she moved from data analyst to Darton does not appear in the Hidden Figures movie because she came, uh, I think it was a year after, after, that. after them. Um Mark Dean is a computer engineer who developed, who co-developed the first personal computer. According to contributions at IBM led to color monitors, the industry standard agriculture, um, which led to connecting devices like printers to computers and the first gigahertz chip. Dean held over uh, 20 patents. Um, When we were off air, we were talking about the creation of what's the modern day New York City and the ports. in all fair, we had a great conversation. We probably should have recorded that. <laughs> but in creating the ports in New York City for uh, import items coming from other countries, they had to develop a way to be able to transport those goods to 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 other cities and other states. So Frederick McKinley Jones created a roof-mounted cooling system that was used to refrigerate goods mm-hmm. on the truck during extended transportation in the mid-1930s. 
Um, he received a patent for this invention in 1940 and co-founded the U.S. Thermal Control Company, later known as Thermo King. So the concept that's used today to refrigerate trucks to transport goods that need to stay cold came from Frederick McKinley Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valerie Thomas, a scientist inventor best known for inventing delusion transmitter in 1980. And this is the 3D imaging and 3D televisions that's still in our movies and our video games today. She, uh, again, worked for NASA and transmit images from outer space like the first satellite. Um, Alicia H. Parker, African-American inventor, famous for a patent of the central uh, heat and using natural gas in the 1920s. Uh, so when you look at a lot of these people, I mean, people uh, like Gladys West with the GPS system. I mean, the influence and the contributions that intellectual blacks have made. Um, again, not in this country, not just in this country, but not just in the black community, but in, through the world. Um we have to be able to shine a light more on our intellectual people um, because it's important for educational purposes that we're not just the people that sing and dance. Yeah, we're innovative, innovative hell. So we're innovative in those areas. I don't know why people don't understand why we can't be innovative in the areas that we're in. And you can, we could talk about the history and the building of the pyramids and the diversion of the Nile Valley and, and all of the great things that you, the monuments that you see in Africa that translates over to America and all these other things. You can talk about all those things, whether you believe in it or not. But at some point you have to look at the influence of black people in all of those cases. You know what I mean? And, we we didn't just build the railroads. We didn't just pick the cotton. That's you right. know, we, yes, we did those things, but there are also intellectual people who helped make things easier. They're all intellectual people who created things that that uh, that people never thought of. So it's one thing to think inside of the box. It's one thing to think outside of the box. It's another thing to think to think as if the box doesn't exist. Was it one thing that you found that we we were responsible for in terms of invention that surprised you? I mean, totally surprised you. Like, wow. If it's hard to surprise me now, any of these people on the list, if you would have told me 10 years ago, I would have been, I would have said, damn, I, I'm surprised. You know, when you look at Granville T. Woods, when I looked at, that probably just surprised me the most when I first heard it. Because you hear about Alexander Graham Bell and Thomas Edison, when you heard right. that Thomas Edison took this man to court to try to say he invented something that Granville T. Woods invented. Like, damn. Like, yeah. Like that's, that's, that's serious because you never see a black person put on the pedestal and, 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 and science and, and math right. and the way that those two are put on the pedestal. And when do you look at Lewis Latimer, like, dang, Lewis Latimer was a part of what they were building yeah, and probably never, had heavy never influence. Heard, never yeah, heard that. that. That surprised the hell out of me. Any, I'm surprised you. Much to what Bake just said, uh, before I started doing this podcast, a lot of work. Um, now we're just doing my own research, listening to y'all. Nah. The, the, it was one that surprised me. And, and not because, not, not the achievement itself, but because the thought process behind the thinking. Um, and I mentioned it last week, even though we didn't podcast, we talked. Henrietta Bradbury, mm-hmm. um, 1945, created the, a design that allowed torpedoes to be shot underneath the water without water coming into the torpedo and damaging the device. <laughs> mm-hmm. She basically created the design for the first waterproof torpedo. I thought that just the fact, one, it was a woman, 
Um, but to be thinking in terms of, you know, it's kind of funny when you think about the telephone, you guys remember the skit from the comedian, you know, whoever thought of, I want to talk to somebody who ain't even here. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk to somebody ain't even here. I want to be able to shoot a torpedo underwater. Yeah. Right. Just that thought process to say, how can we do that? Mm -hmm. I thought was amazing. And to find out that it was a black woman to create the first design to be able to do that, I thought was awesome. And it was surprising to mm -hmm. me. Yeah, I think the reason why none of them really surprised me for the most part is me being black. So I, you just look at things, and white people probably can't really understand this, but as a black person, yeah, those are dumbbells that I'm looking at. But what else can I use them for? How can right. I improve that dumbbell? What what else could that dumbbell be used for? And I, a lot of times with black people, that just comes natural. That that's nutrition yeah. because I want to try to be able to utilize my purchase for more than one yeah. thing, right? Mm -hmm. I can't afford to go out and buy something else, so that dumbbell become a doorstop. Right, right. <laughs> you know, that's what holds my door open <laughs> or closed, right? Right. But it, it, it's problem solving. So Absolutely. in the black community, we talk about a lot of things. We 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 have these thoughts. We're not going to neglect the fact that we don't have these thoughts on how can I make this better? Because we're creative and innovative. I mean, you go into a black household, you're going to see things in places that you never thought you were seeing somewhere else because they took it and made something else out of it. We're, we're the king of making uh, nothing out of uh, something out of nothing, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about these, that black people have these thoughts, but a lot of times when it comes to this grand scale, we, we put that sole responsibility on white America because we don't understand the history. Mm -hmm. We're not taught that we did these things. We're not taught that we built these things. We're That's not right. taught these things. So we don't think that we feel like it does not apply to us. That's right. When you're not taught these things, you put yourself into a box and say, oh, that's what white people do. They the ones to go out there and invent the shit. They the that's ones right. to get their names on it because we're not taught about the Granville T. Woods, the, the Lewis Latimers, the Benjamin Bannikers, and we're, we don't put ourselves in that, those categories. You know what I mean? And and that oftentimes, so you think of the stereotype of, of black people not being able to swim, right? But there's tribes in Africa that's all they do is dive underneath water, that's and right. they stay underwater longer than you can you can think of. Those myths of mermaids come from Africa. So, but here in America, we have that that stereotype that black people can't swim. That's right. Black people, but we have to go back and look at history and understand black people can't swim came from black people weren't in the water. They weren't allowed to go to those pools. That's right. They weren't allowed to be in those rivers and lakes. When you go that black people can't read, they weren't allowed to read books. It wasn't the fact that we can't do it. Mm -hmm. It's because there was a barrier there stopping us from doing it, like these patents. Yep. But like every other thing in history, we broke down those walls and people did it. That's why we have to talk about it more so the kids coming in can see those earlier images that I don't have to be an athlete. I can be a builder. I don't have to do this. Mathematician is a cool thing like i can change the world by knowing science i can right. change the world by being an engineer and i don't have to be able to score 30 points to get the attention i don't have to score 30 points to uh get a scholarship like those are the type of things that we need to talk about in the black community because when you don't see it yeah. enough and you don't talk about That's it right. enough and you don't congratulate it enough
then we put ourselves in that box that we're not the ones that can do it. Also, the sins of, of the things that happened to us passed down to us. So for black people, when we think about ships and we think about water, we think about coming over here on slave ships. Yeah. That's part of what's embedded in us, deeply rooted, embedded in us. But also escaped slaves. One of the fears that that slaves had of of of, of trying to escape wasn't just being caught. It was that Mississippi River that they yeah. thought they was going to have to go across. Mm -hmm. And you know how many bodies have been found in that Mississippi River? So the stories of that being told back to the slaves led them to say, well, you know, I, I'm not trying to die that death trying to cross the Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So that was those body of waters and the history of those body of waters of what it plays to a, to, a, to an African-American say, hey, I don't want to have nothing to do with the water. Yeah. So that's why a lot of us don't learn how to swim. Also, if you really want to learn how to swim, it's going to require you to join the local Y. Yeah. That's going to cost you a fee. Take swimming lessons. That's going to cost you a fee. Mm -hmm. We don't have it. Yeah. So we're not learning to swim, right? Mm -hmm. So the best we can do is go to a lake or something and throw somebody in and say, okay, I'm leaving in 20 minutes. Make your way back to shore. Yeah. That ain't the proper way to teach your child how to, how to swim. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. So again, if you're out there and you, you have kids or you interact with kids or like, it's important that we don't shun away the, the STEM programs. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's important that we begin to teach the educational purposes that every kid doesn't have to be an artist, that every kid doesn't have to be um, in liberal arts, you know, like dance and music and sports and all of those things. Hey, like, babe, I don't want to cut you off. You Before you close, can, can I just read a stat real quick? Go ahead. <clears throat> so, and I chose Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech is my favorite college football team and they're known for their engineering department. Not um, football. The motherfuckers right. make not, money too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> engineering, not football. Yeah. yeah. So in, in 2021, Virginia Tech's engineering department had 431 blacks. Now, they had 1,626 African Americans at the school, period. 431 of them are in the engineering, engineering program. program. 779 Hispanic in the engineering program, 5,154 white in the engineering program. Um, and to get in the engineering program at Virginia Tech, you need a 4.04 in high school to be accepted. Yeah. In. They, and that's the reason why they make bank. It comes from some of the smartest people. And we have people who can be in there. We have intellectuals that can be in there. But we gravitate towards something else because of our culture and our history. But until we understand the fullness of our history and the fullness of our culture, because they are a part of our culture too. This is a part of our culture. We have to embrace that on a more, uh, on a more grand scale. Um, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Peace.